The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our first reading from the book of Revelation, and especially these words of the angel, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Revelation says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God. What? The angel with the eternal gospel? when he finally gets a chance to speak, says, fear God? Isn't the gospel about the fact that we do not have to fear God? Well, perhaps fear God doesn't really mean fear God. I know I've been taught that throughout my life. After all, didn't Jesus die on the cross so that we would never have to fear God Again, well, yes and no. I'll be the first to admit that the phrase fear God does not just mean to be afraid of God. It also means respecting God. It means loving God. It means trusting God. But the more I study the scriptures, I am convinced that to say that it does not also include being fearful of God and his wrath is simply not true. 500 years ago, God restored to the church the gospel message that Jesus had died for sinners. 500 years later, I have to wonder if the reformation we need in the church is a restoration of the law to the church. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not calling for us to replace the gospel with the law. God forbid that happen ever. To do so would be to deny the entire message of our faith and would be tragic. But what I do mean is that perhaps we need to restore the law to its proper place alongside the gospel. It seems to me that in Luther's day, Satan had one tactic that was working very well. He tried to convince everyone to be so terrified of God that they thought there was no way that they could ever deal with him. But in our day, it seems to me that his tactic has changed. He wishes for us to have such a milquetoast conception of God that we could never even imagine God being angry at anyone let alone us. Well, the devil even seeks to take the most precious proclamation of the gospel and distort that and use it to his end. He tells us that surely since Jesus has died for sins past, for sins present, and sins in the future, we don't really need to be concerned with sin at all. He wants us to believe that God really doesn't care about the presence of sin in the life of his children. 
And perhaps we are buying in to those lies. And maybe that means that 500 years after Luther, what we need reformed is that the preaching of the law would once again take its place alongside the gospel. Imagine, if you will, two women walking down the street after having sat down for lunch. Those two women gathered together because it was one of their birthdays. Both ladies splurged in every way. They had exactly what they wanted to eat, and they drank to their fill. As they walked down the street, a local nonprofit group called out, Would you like a free bottle of water? These ladies said, No thanks. They didn't need water. They weren't thirsty. They couldn't even imagine drinking another drop. Why would they need water? All too often in our day, it seems that many people respond to the gospel message in just the same day, same way, rather. They simply don't believe that they need the gospel. They think they're doing just fine. They don't think they have any thirst. After all, they may have never been presented with any reason that they actually need to believe in Jesus as their Savior. They don't know what it is that Christians keep saying they need saving from. And sadly, it's not just those outside of the church who can lose that thirst for the gospel. We too can suffer from this same apathy. And there are really two ways that Satan tries to get those of us inside of the church to no longer truly treasure the gospel. One is that he tries to convince us that we are, after all, pretty good people. And therefore, we don't need the gospel that greatly because we have not sinned all that greatly. But perhaps, just as damaging and more overlooked, is that Satan also tries to convince us that since we have received the gospel once, that we really don't need it any longer. That it's something that we got once, and now we are good to go. Yes, we can tell ourselves that we are forgiven, and that there's nothing that we could ever do that would change that truth. We can tell ourselves that we sin, yes, but just like everyone else. And when we think that way, we begin to reason that surely God can't be all that mad at us, if we're just sinning like everyone sins. Well, such prideful thought does not truly need the gospel, or at least not right away. It first needs the law. For those that might not be familiar with the distinction between law and gospel, let me offer this very quick summary. The law is anything that God tells us to do. And in the end, what it does is tells us that God demands perfection. And that if we do not live up to that perfection, we will perish eternally. The gospel is the proclamation of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. It reminds us that all of our imperfections and sins have been removed through Jesus' work on the cross. And that our life with God is given to us as a blessed 
inheritance. The Holy Scriptures from beginning to end are filled with words of law that are meant to terrify us when we recognize just how sinful we have been. But of course, they are also filled with words of gospel that are meant to drive away any terror that we might have as our Savior Jesus is placed before our eyes. In Luther's day, 500 years ago, the preaching was almost all law and no gospel. And the people, they were terrified. They were terrified of suffering God's wrath. They were so terrified that they would spend their hard-earned money on a piece of paper that the church would sell to them in order that they could hope just for a minute that they might suffer less of the wrath of God. Luther made it his life's goal once he discovered the gospel in the scriptures that that gospel about Jesus and his forgiveness would be preached alongside of the law everywhere. Oh, the law was good, but it could not save. As Romans said, it only makes us aware of our sins. Therefore, the gospel had to be preached in order that the terrified conscience might be brought to peace in Jesus. What I ask you today, is our situation the same? Is everyone in our day and age walking around terrified of the wrath of God? Well, let me ask you a little more personal question. When was the last time you had a terrified conscience before God? When was the last time where even for a moment you thought that God might send you to hell for all eternity because of the sins you have committed? Well, some of you may well have an answer. For the law is still there and it does encounter us and make us realize the severity of sin in our life. But I have a feeling that most of us have to admit that we almost never, or at least rarely, feel a terrified conscience. Do you think that God really expects you to live a holy life? Do you think that God gets angry if you continue on with one sin or another? Do you believe that if you don't turn from your sins, you will suffer eternally? Well, you should. Because that is what the law says. And the law is true. The law says that God expects, especially his children, who have been forgiven of their sins, who have been given the Holy Spirit, just like Jackson was today, to be raised up and to walk in newness of life. He expects them to gather where his word and sacraments are each week in order that they might be strengthened in that faith. And yes, the law says that if we refuse to do what God has set out for us to do and go on sinning without repentance, we will end up without him forever. We will send, spend eternity in a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does that terrify you? Well, it should. It's the law in all of its fullness, and it's 100% true. But if that thought terrifies you, well, then now you are ready to hear the gospel. Now you are like one who has run a marathon through the desert and is offered a bottle of water. 
Now you're ready to drink it in and savor the sweetness of the gospel. For hear me loud and clear today. If you are terrified over your sins, God is here today to calm your conscience. He is here today to proclaim that the very sins that terrify you were placed upon his son Jesus at Calvary. He is here to proclaim that they are gone and will never touch you again. He is here to tell you that at this very moment he is preparing a glorious place for you to live forever. And until that day, he's given you a place here in his holy Christian church where he keeps you safe and secure. Yes, this is all so good news. It is good news that we truly appreciate when the law has done its work and terrified our conscience. What good news it is to know that God hates sin and yet loves us. What good news it is to know that while we have not done what we should, Christ did everything needful for us and our salvation. What good news is it to know that Jesus has come for you in order that your sins might be forgiven and that your death might become life in his name. So yes, the angel with the gospel says, Fear God. He says it that you might truly understand what the results of your sin should be. What you mutter sometimes without thinking when we confess our sins on a Sunday morning, today God wants us to slow down and think about a little. For he wants those words to be true in our heads and in our hearts. It is true. We truly deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment from God. Seriously, God should simply send calamity upon calamity upon us, and then at the end of all that, send us to everlasting hell. But thanks be to God, the angel, the one with the gospel, would tell you this. God will not send you there. Turn to him and live. Yes, after telling you to fear God, this angel, like all the angels of God, knows what to speak next. He removes that fear inside of you by speaking just one simple word. He says, Jesus, and all is well. Fear is gone and joy and peace take its place. And that's what the Reformation that started 500 years ago was all about. It was all about the gospel of Jesus bringing peace and joy right where the conscience had been so troubled and terrified by the law. And that combination of the law and the gospel was just right 500 years ago. And it's still just right for today. For in the end, the church stands on that one word. It is still all about Jesus. Amen.